Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, pregnancy-focused chiropractor, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest today is a doctor of pharmacology and an Ayurvedic counselor who works as a science liaison for a pharmaceutical company on rare pediatric diseases. She's currently pregnant with her first and is planning a far less medical birth than most. Amaris Rodriguez, welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me here. I feel honored to be on your podcast, Dr. Berlin. Super excited to share my story. (laughs) Yes, I'm excited to have you and excited to hear your story. And also, you have such a warm, wonderful energy, and it's always an honor and pleasure to be around you. So thank you for joining me. Well, thank you. Thank you. Where are you from originally? I'm from the East Coast. I was raised in New Jersey. I'm first generation. My family's from Puerto Rico. My parents were born on the island and then they came over here. Yeah. So Jersey and then from Jersey, I lived in Philadelphia for quite some time. I went to college in Philly and I started my career in Philly. So Philly is home for me. Probably I feel closer to Philadelphia than I do to New Jersey. Hmm. So yes, I flew from the East Coast to the West Coast recently, and I'm a transplant in LA. (laughs) Welcome to the left side of the country. Okay, so many questions. So you were born here. Yes. Do you still have a bunch of family in Puerto Rico? So much family. So much family in Puerto Rico. Yes. Do you go a lot? Yes. I usually travel three to four times a year. Oh, wow. Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Do you fly straight where you have to stop off in Florida? I go, I go straight. I mean, if you take Spirit Airlines, they're going to stop you like three times before you get to Puerto Rico. But it's a straight shot. If you leave from Newark, you can land in San Juan in Puerto Rico. It's about three hours. Just don't take Spirit Airlines because they'll protest. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yeah. Spirit is one of our sponsors. Oh, no. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We got to edit that out. No, no, no. I'm totally kidding. Spirit's not one of our sponsors, but I've never been on Spirit. I've never had the pleasure, but everyone talks so lowly about it. Oh, man. I've had bad experiences. I don't like flying on great airlines, so I can't even imagine what that's like. (laughs) I'd rather just walk. I've banned Spirit from my list of choices. Oh, you have enough Spirit without Spirit. (laughs) Okay, so you go back a lot, and yeah. Is the Puerto Rican culture infused into your life? Absolutely. Oh, man. Where do I begin? So my family is quite large. I have a humongous family on both sides, on my mom's side and my dad's side. We get together a lot. Um, My immediate family, we get together almost like every single week for something. And it's always revolving around delicious food. My mom can cook so well. Everybody in my family cooks really, really well. Mm. Everything is surrounded by food. We get together, there's always food. And that's what brings us together. And there's so many of us. It's really beautiful. I'm super blessed to have the family that I have. And I'm really thankful that my parents have passed down that tradition of togetherness. Mm. they did a really good job of passing that down to their kids it's something that I definitely want to pass down to my baby and I think about that because I'm grateful at how bonded we are we're really up each other's butts (laughs) 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 
we have our bad moments, but we love each other so much. And there's so much support there. And there's so much love. I, I feel their love all the way from the East Coast. I'm here. I'm missing them. Uh-huh. And I just feel super supported by them, even though there's a lot of distance there right now. Oh, they could always overnight use them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really nice of your parents to pass on the up each other's butts uh, traditions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you grew up in Philly and then you went to school. What did you study? I went to school for biochemistry at Temple University. And then from there, I went to school in Massachusetts to become a doctor of pharmacy. I went to an accelerated program. So I graduated in three years and then I went back to Philly and I started working. I was working a retail pharmacy for quite some time. So retail pharmacy for about nine years. Oh, and... wow. you're talking about the regular pharmacists that we all go to to get our gazillion prescriptions? Oh, yes. Every day? Wait on yes. for a while? Yeah, so when you're waiting in line, you're staring at the pharmacist's forehead, and we're trying to work as fast as possible. <laughs> we're just like sweating bullets because we know that there's a line of people upset. <laughs> you said 15 minutes. <laughs> exactly. My allergies. And then I always thought they should put advertising on your head because we're always looking at your forehead. <laughs> right on the forehead, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You may be mad, but uh, <laughs> fly spirit, and you'll be more mad. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So biochemistry is an interesting choice. That was your major? Yes. I actually applied to pharmacy school. Like I knew I wanted to go to pharmacy school when I was in high school. I was what, 14 when I made the decision that I wanted to become a pharmacist. Was that influenced by any kind of experience or you just love drugs or? I really was good at math and science and I always was interested and researching ingredients, like I would look at ingredients on food, on toothpaste, I would look at the back and see these big long words and had no idea what it was. And I was just so curious about it. And I just would start researching stuff on my own. So and... like when you compare different brands or different items, like you're not just looking at the packaging, you're literally looking at what's in there. Looking at the chemicals. Yes. Wow. Looking at those chemicals. And I was, I want to say I was 14 years old when I knew I wanted to do something in the healthcare industry. Then I was leaning towards doctor, pharmacist. I chose pharmacist because I thought it was more conducive to having a family and freeing up time. Whereas, you know, you go the doctor route, got to do the residency, it's extra schooling. So I went with pharmacy and I graduated from high school in three years. <laughs> wow. I knew well, what I wanted to do. So seriously, <laughs> often looking at those ingredients, even as a kid, I would scrutinize the package also looking to see which one was cheaper. I'm like, oh, I'll take this one <laughs> for the price. <laughs> yeah, it takes less time and you save money. But here we are in your super healthy and fine <laughs> spirit. Oh my goodness. Don't say that, Dr. Berlin. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anything about Spirit Airlines. I just remember a comedian talking about it and he's like, uh, yes, we're in the middle. And then like someone passed out and like, Hey, is there a doctor on on, on the plane? And he's like, no, on Spirit Airlines. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't get it. But uh, anyway, maybe you should try it once. Just so I can really appreciate the other airlines that I fly. Um, Okay, so pharmaceuticals and working feverishly trying to package those prescriptions for us (laughs) for nine years. And what happened next? Because you don't do that anymore. 
No, I don't. Honestly, you know, working in that retail setting, I felt like my morals were not lining up with what I was doing. And I felt kind of bad doing that day in and day out. On one hand, I have tuition I have to pay back. And on the other hand, I have my morals. (laughs) 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 But I did a little bit of hopping around from pharmacy to pharmacy, just wondering if like, you know, the situation would be better or change. And I found that it was the same, no matter what company I was working for. And at the end of the day, like as a pharmacist, you have metrics that you have to meet. That's vaccination. You know, you have a quota that you got to reach prescriptions. I want you to come back to keep filling this blood pressure medication, because if you don't, then we lose money. And I believe in preventative care and let's wean these patients off of this medication. Let's try to get them off of this. Like, what can we do? But these pharmacies, that's how they make their money. It's a business. It's a business at the end of the day. So I think a lot of people would prefer to use medication as a crutch to help them get to a point of health where they no longer need it. You know, for example, if you broke a leg, you don't want to walk on crutches for the rest of your life. You want to use them until your leg can heal and then you lose the crutch. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I can see how any business really is. If you're looking at straight from a business perspective, it's all about the bottom line. And so it's how much of our product can we get out there, market, push, sell. And in this case, mm-hmm. it's a product that, while on one hand, can be extremely helpful and life-saving. On the other hand, it can cause a lot of harm. So, you know, if there's not deep discretion in how you're pushing, promoting, and meeting your bottom line, I can see how that would be a ethical, moral dilemma for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, I mean, one simple solution is to just not care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I'm incapable of. <laughs> oh, I know you are. So where'd you go after you left retail pharmaceuticals? So while I was in retail, I decided to go to school for Ayurveda. So I let that job fund my Ayurveda schooling. So yeah, yeah, I was in school and working full time. And I wanted to work towards getting certified to do consultations with people and approach the body as a whole. Are you familiar with Ayurveda? Maybe you can tell us more about Ayurveda. Yeah, definitely. So Ayurveda is an ancient Indian system where you're approaching the body as a whole. And when you approach the body as a whole, you're taking into account that person's constitution, how they were born, their dosha, their environment, their relationships, what you're eating day in, day out, their career, what they're doing day to day. And if you compare that to Western medicine, when you go to visit a doctor, it's very different. You go there with a problem and they focus on that problem. I like to think of it as, you know, them looking at you as a car. And if you go in with something wrong with the car, they're just going to fix that problem. So if you go in your arm is hurting. They're going to try to pinpoint exactly where in the arm it's hurting and treat that area rather than looking at you as a whole and addressing everything. In Ayurveda, those consultations, the initial one can take like three hours long because we're asking so many questions to try to get to know you and understand what's going on. We do a tongue assessment. There's a lot that you can tell from a person 
by looking at their eyes, their tongue, their skin, knowing what they're eating every day. Certain foods can aggravate your constitution. Your constitution is what you're born with. So there's three different doshas. You have kapha, pitta, and vata. And each of these doshas resides within us. And every person is so unique that we have a different percentage of these doshas within us. So I feel in Western medicine, a lot of the times we have this one size fits all approach to treating people. But in Ayurveda, the approach is so different for every individual. It is so unique. Everybody has a different regimen to follow. I may consult, uh, do a consultation with somebody and tell them, okay, you just get rid of all the pepper, no red pepper, no crushed red pepper. (laughs) Just get rid of all the spicy stuff because they have so much fire in their dosha. And sometimes you can see that pop up on the face as acne. Um, It's really, really beautiful system. I think I need a little fire in my dosha. (laughs) If you know what I mean, I don't know what I mean, but hold on. You said so many important things. My doctor definitely treats me like a car. Cause every time I go to him, he's like, you got too much junk in the trunk. You gotta take off (laughs) a little weight. Second of all, what I love about all the holistic approaches to healthcare, including Ayurveda is that they don't just look at where the symptom is, right? First of all, the definition of health is not the absence of symptoms. You can Mm -hmm. have no symptoms and still not be healthy. So in that case, what does Western medicine do for you? There's not much because they treat symptoms and making a symptom go away doesn't even mean you necessarily resolve the issue. An example of that is if we're going to treat it like a car, if the oil light goes on Mm -hmm. and that's the symptom and all we need to do is make the symptom go away. And one of the easiest ways to do that is just cut power to the oil light and it'll go away. But in about 500 miles, your engine's going to fall out and smoke all over the place. Exactly. You get it. (laughs) So I get it. And and another sort of holistic image that I have in my head that they taught me in chiropractic school that I heard someone say was when you step on a dog's tail, it barks. And Mm. if you're looking for the (laughs) issue where the symptom is by the barking, you're never going to find the source. So I think there's a healthy mix of me and also patients in general get the best kind of healthcare when you try to get the best of both worlds, the East meets West and both approaches can be phenomenal. I used to ride ambulances and I can tell you from firsthand experience observationally that if uh, someone's running and falls on a metal spike and it pierces their lung, it is not a good time to discuss, you know, crushed red pepper uh, <laughs> or to do an adjustment or any. I completely agree. Holistic things. And there's a hierarchy. Sometimes you need the drugs and surgery, and sometimes there are amazing, incredible innovations that help us get rid of symptoms, find health that we didn't have, or crutch along to a point where we can do better on our own. Absolutely. So it's cool yeah. that you got to sort of have a taste of both. I want to find out a little bit more about what you're doing now, besides your three-hour Ayurveda consult. So by the way, I've waited online in pharmaceutical retail for retail pharmaceuticals for at least three hours. So I would do a three-hour Ayurveda <laughs> get more out of that. It's My long. favorite thing is when I'm waiting online, I'm like, oh, go browse about the store. I come back with like candy bar, ice cream. Oh, um, no, 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 and no. And I'm like, no. okay, here's your metformin. I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. <laughs> I need three times as much. No, not me. Oh, man. I'm not on the mat yet. All right, let's take a little break. We come back. We're going to find out more about the very fascinating (laughs) Amaris. 
Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the podcast. We're talking to Amaris. Does that mean something? Yes, it means God's gift. <laughs> oh, I can totally see it. I don't know how they knew right when you popped out, but Amaris is definitely a gift from God. You're oh, a special, you. special person. Thank you so much, Dr. Berlin. Thank All you. right, so you did As the whole. So are you? Thank Man, you. If I could That's... sing your praises for about five minutes, I, if you know. I could sing. <laughs> That's as much as I can say. <laughs> All right, here we go. So you uh, biochemistry, which is very off-putting to me, though, just the, all the different steps uh, between in glucose formation and destruction. <laughs> I couldn't do it. You're a much smarter person than I am. Okay, so then <laughs> there was biochemistry and then pharmaceuticals, then retail pharmaceuticals. And you just got frustrated with the system of using drugs and surgery as a primary form of healthcare. And yeah. you just studied Ayurveda. And mm -hmm. when you talk about Ayurveda, nobody can see this about me, but you glow, like your <laughs> ear to ear smile, your eyes open up with passion, you glow. And when you talk about drugs and surgery, you're just kind of like <laughs> smart. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do now? Because you're back to working sort of in pharmaceuticals. Yeah, yeah. I guess one thing we did kind of skip is while I was doing the Ayurveda thing, I applied for Doctors Without Borders. I was trying to like really get out of retail pharmacy. I applied to Doctors Without Borders. I got into the program. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Did you travel? <laughs> no, I did not get to travel. I was in the program. I waited for a mission for two years. You just have to wait for an opening and then oh, they, they stick you into, you know, where the opening is, but that's what That's so I really, crazy. It seems like they would need people all day, every day. You would think, but with pharmacists, there's not a lot of open positions. There's only a few pharmacists. You don't mm. need a lot of pharmacists. You need a lot of nurses. You need a lot of doctors. Uh, and the pharmacists are the ones that handle the drugs, but right. you only need one pharmacist and like to cover, of, yeah. Yeah, to cover big territory. So I really, really wanted to do that. Didn't work out. Found this medical science liaison career. And it was very appealing to me. So I applied to a pharmaceutical company that is a certified B Corp. I did not even know that existed in the pharmaceutical industry world. And I interviewed with them. I got the position. I was really happy because this place is certified B Corp. What does that mean in English? They're super transparent about their day-to-day business practices. Okay. Very transparent. They care about the environment, meaning a lot of the products that they're pumping out are environmentally friendly. We're talking about inhalers. A lot of inhalers leave a carbon footprint. 
I see. They're trying to go green. <laughs> Eco responsibility. Oh yeah, tons of it, and that meshed really well. I was really happy to find that pharmaceutical industry. Also, the position that I have is within ultra rare diseases within pediatrics. And these rare diseases, there's no, you can't do yoga, you know, (laughs) you can't, you know, eliminate pepper and stuff from the diet to help these babies. Some of these babies are born with these diseases and they need treatment immediately. And without Mm. this treatment, they can pass. So Uh, that's what we were talking about earlier. You need both. Absolutely. There's some things you can't just green juice out of your system. Exactly. And what we should have is a judicious combination for all the systems, for all the health. That'd be amazing. Yeah. 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 So sharks. Yes. So what does the liaison do? We bridge the gap between healthcare professionals and key opinion leaders within the industry to the company that I'm working for to the pharmaceutical industry. So say, for example, one of the rare diseases that I cover is bubble boy syndrome. Bubble boy syndrome is when your baby is born with a pretty much no immune system. Oh, well, hence the name. They used to pretty much have to keep them in a bubble so that they wouldn't be exposed to anything because they couldn't fight it off. Yes. There's a documentary on YouTube for free. If anybody's interested in watching it, it's very, very interesting to see that and do you know what it's called if you just type in bubble boy syndrome in the little search box you'll see a little baby named david i think his last name is vetner but it's david and just click on that and the whole thing's on youtube for free oh amazing (laughs) that's my favorite price tag and so um with the medication they don't need to live in a bubble exactly so like i can see why you feel good about that working in a drug like that Yes, it's necessary and you have to treat your baby as soon as possible. So if there's a new case in my territory, you know, I work as quickly as possible to get the medication to the baby. I communicate with the key opinion leaders, any new research, any research projects that key opinion leaders want to initiate within that subject matter. We try to facilitate that because it's only going to help improve treatment for these babies. That's amazing. And you have almost a decade of experience working as quickly as you can to get medications (laughs) to people. So (laughs) So look at the retail pharmaceutical paid off. Yeah, I'm so happy I'm not doing that anymore. I can't imagine being pregnant and standing on my feet for 12 hours. Yeah, I do have patients that do that. And we have long, healthy relationships because of all that standing in one place for so long. Yeah. Yes. All right. You're pregnant. And, you know, before we get directly into how you're pregnant, who's the guy? Where'd you meet him? How did it all come together? <laughs> oh, man. My husband, his name is Bryson. <laughs> Bryson. <laughs> he actually reached out to me on social media. He saw one of my photos and he fell in love instantly. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, he saw a photo of me and my grandma on the beach in Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is he Puerto Rican? My husband, no, no, no. He's African-American. He's from California. Cali. Yes. Yep. Okay. And then he saw your picture on the beach and he fell for you. He reached out to me and I never spoke to anybody like on social media. You know, people use that as a dating platform or to reach out to people. And 
that was the first time somebody reached out to me to, you know, like, yes, like, (laughs) yes, yeah. And I didn't think he was real at first. He had like a little blue check mark next to his name. <laughs> I'm like, what? who is this guy? I don't Doesn't know. that mean that you're real? Yeah. <laughs> uh. But you know, you never know with the internet. Yeah, I've heard some things. And also, people like hack into accounts, and that's actually happened to him. People have hacked into his account, and oh, that happened to me. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, it happened to my mother. See, yeah. who wants to get into her account? I knew I was pretty <laughs> sure because when she started sending me porn every two hours, I was like, mm, <laughs> Oh uh, my gosh, uh, no, yeah, talk about <laughs> overdoing the pharmaceuticals. Like <laughs> okay, she doesn't even know what she sent me, I couldn't bring myself to tell her, <laughs> but we did get it resolved. Okay, so you met in person at some point. Yeah, so we spoke on the phone for a few months, and then we met in person. And I remember asking him to take a photo with a spoon in his hand, because I'm like, okay, I need you to take a photo with a spoon in your hand. So I know that, you know, it's you. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's so funny. Okay, first of all, you've been watching too much 90 Day Fiance. (laughs) And second of all, his blue check mark is because he's an athlete. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was another thing. You What's know. wrong with athletes? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can say that I was a little scared, you know, about that. I don't know if scared is the word, but I was hesitant. Very, very hesitant. Hesitant um, because they don't have the settled down life? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you hear stories and, you know, they go out a lot and this, this, that, and the other. And there's a spotlight on them. And, you know, I was hesitant. Yeah. So it took me some time to get over that hurdle. Even uh, over, after the spoon photo? <laughs> <laughs> over time, I realized how authentic he was and how true to himself he was. And he marches to the beat of his own drum. And he was just honest and mm. vulnerable and like, was just very honest with me and I respected that. And he just always did his own thing. It's like a group of people could be going out and he'll, you know, do his own thing. He does not follow, you know, other people. He's a very authentic person and I respect that. And that's one of the qualities that I love about him. He knows what he wants and he knows who he is. Oh yeah. He wanted you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And... and then he goes and gets it. <laughs> yeah. But on the flip side, I mean, out of all the different sports, at least the football season's only like two weeks long. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a short season, no? No, not two weeks. Not two, not weeks. two weeks, but I'm just saying compared to like baseball, they play 500 games a year or something. Oh, like my that. gosh. So, you know, it's a shorter season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then he has to travel a lot, I assume. Yeah, he does travel. I mean, he doesn't play anymore, but when he was playing, there was a lot of traveling and he didn't want to really continue that lifestyle because he knew it was not conducive to having a family. For family. Yeah. Well, how long ago was that that you guys got together? Four to five years. Four to five years. And then the relationship grew. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And then got married. 
Yeah. <laughs> and now you're, you're uh, having a kid. Was kids like something you talked about early on? Yes. Yes. He says that when we first met that I said, I didn't want kids. I didn't want kids unless I was going to be with like a person that I want to have kids with. <laughs> and hmm. I met him and, you know, he's the perfect partner for me and my whole perspective on that changed. Oh. And here we are and we're expecting a baby in a few weeks. All right. So this is where we have to take another break and get serious. We need to talk about how has your pregnancy been? I mean, you're due soon. Yeah. I'm 38 weeks. Wow. Yeah. And you have more fuego than I ever had in my whole life. You are on fire. <laughs> you have so much energy. I don't know how you do it. All right. Let's take a very quick break so you don't have the baby before we come back. We'll be right Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Amaris. Good news. I mean, anyway, she's still pregnant and she's going to be delivering soon. So how is the pregnancy for you? Uh, it's been a huge blessing, Dr. Berlin. It's been a smooth pregnancy, I guess, before I start talking about this pregnancy. Right. You had a previous pregnancy. I did. I did. So four months prior to this baby starting as a little zygote, <laughs> four months prior we got pregnant and at 11 weeks, no, 10 weeks, I had a miscarriage. So sorry. And did you know, or did you find out at the doctor? I remember I took a flight from the West coast to the East coast to visit my family. And while I was over there, I started spotting, but it was very light, very light spotting. I told my midwife, she said, don't be alarmed. Some women spot, especially after having sex. And that's what happened after sex. I started spotting. What and airline was that? I <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have been spirit. <laughs> and then I remember I was supposed to go to New York City that weekend. I started spotting for my friend's baby's birthday. I canceled everything that weekend because I wanted my body to just rest and relax. And the spotting continued for about a week. Uh, I flew back from the East Coast to the West Coast. And when I got to the West Coast, it was super heavy. Oh. It was heavy. I was not in pain, though. And I went to go get an ultrasound to see how the baby was doing. And there was no heartbeat. So it was very well with you. Yes, Sorry. yeah. Bryson. Do you call him Bryce or do just I call him Bryce? Both. Okay. I have a little pet nicknames for your husband. <laughs> <laughs> Was he with you? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I had a feeling before even going to that ultrasound, I had a feeling something was wrong, even though it was just spotting and like they were telling me not to be alarmed that sometimes it's normal in pregnancy. I lost my acid reflux. So when I became pregnant, I had some acid reflux and I noticed that symptom went away mm -hmm. yeah. and then the bleeding started. And I, uh, I just had a feeling something was off. Yeah, you're good at math. Things weren't <laughs> adding up well. Yeah. Yeah. So well, at, at the ultrasound, there was no heartbeat. And uh, the doctor said that it's a missed miscarriage. 
I missed miscarriage. So the pregnancy must have ended before you even took off. Yeah. To the East Coast. Yep. Did it make you nervous that it was a result of sex? Yes. I mean, this pregnancy, like, I haven't had complete peace of mind <laughs> because of the previous experience yeah. that I had. And I would say when it comes to working out, when it came to having sex, because I love working out with weights and pushing myself, and I just stopped. I stopped, and I just took it really easy. I would walk stretch yoga that's just... like nine times my usual workout routine <laughs> it's not me taking it easy did you get more confidence during like the middle trimester or no you're still kind of i would say during each trimester i've had something where i was like no i'm not going to do that like the first trimester i eased up on working out the second trimester i was really nervous because i was flying a lot for work and there's not a lot of evidence out there for pregnant mamas flying. There's not a lot out there. So I was questioning how safe is it to fly? When I flew from the West Coast to the East Coast, I started bleeding. So was it from the flight? You know, also my nutrition, you know, is it my fault because I didn't eat enough protein? The protein requirements, according to the Bradley method, it's like 80 to 100 grams of protein a day. <laughs> It was yeah. really hard for me to get all that protein in, and it still is. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. I can help you with that. <laughs> I have ways. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of Reese's. <laughs> it's my favorite protein stores. Okay, so mental health-wise, usually those things are really important. Like if you're a worker outer, especially a you know heavy sweat worker outer, push yourself worker outer. That's not just good physical, but also keeps your mind clear, you know, mm -hmm. your pressure low. Yes. What yeah. kind of things have you been able to do to replace that? Uh, walking, meditating, yoga, and just really taking in this pregnancy. And, you know, I don't want to work out how I was working out, but it's for my baby. You know, mm -hmm. so that brings me so much joy and so much happiness. And I don't look at it as, oh, man, I don't get to work out like that. And, you know, kettlebell swings and all this stuff. I'm nurturing a baby and it's so beautiful. And the experience has been great. And it's like my heart is already swollen for this baby that I have not looked at in the face yet you know mm -hmm. so it's pretty cool i love that you could shift gears that way birth you're planning uh birth uh, let's talk about the birth setting birth providers what's the plan well i want to do home birth because i want to stick as close to nature as i can with my lifestyle choices and i believe that my body was built for this. It was made to give birth. And I trust my body to know what to do. And I also think, you know, when it comes to healthcare and the hospital setting, women lose their autonomy once you step foot into the hospital. And you can have a terrific doctor, you can have an amazing doctor. But on the other side of it, we have insurers we have regulations we have a yeah, lot there's... of re <laughs> restrictions in place to prevent litigations 
from right, happening. It's defensive medicine that everybody practices now, just yeah. like defensive driving. You should have these three choices, but one of them is kind of risky for me, even if it's not that risky for you. So how about these two choices? Yes. You know, it just keeps going that way. Yes, exactly. And like I said, you can have the terrific doctor, but those systems that are put in place are kind of forcing the doctor to practice medicine a certain way. Which is maybe a downside of giving birth at a hospital. Do you see downside to giving birth at home? No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you haven't mentioned the biggest upside of giving birth at home yet, which is there's always really good food at home birth. I don't know why. It's like, <laughs> like somebody was like, hey, can you be my doula? And somebody else at the same time can be my doula. And one's at home, one's at the hospital. I'm going for the all you can eat buffet at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have a full fridge stacked with snacks. Oh. I also want to be comfortable and I don't like those bright lights, like stadium lighting right on me. I don't want that. And I want minimal medical intervention, the least amount of intervention, like let my body go through it. I want to feel all the feels I'm saying this now. Let's see what I say in the next <laughs> podcast, but yeah. I want to feel all the feels, you know, I believe I, it. I, 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 want, believe it. <laughs> I, do. I want to surrender to that pain. Because yeah. I feel like that is me transitioning into motherhood. Like that is yes. like that is part of the whole transition. That's transforming myself into a mother. Like I've never been a mom before. This is my first baby. And I've spent so many of these years just living for me and getting my stuff together. So this is really exciting for me. You know what you remind me right now of a story I don't think I've ever told on the podcast. And it was this woman who had a breech baby and she didn't have any options for delivery. She was in an HMO and none of the providers did breach. So she came up with this plan and she labored at home as a first baby, as long as she could with a midwife, you know, in California, they can't really attend home birth, but you know, in this case, acting more like a doula. Mm -hmm. And then when she was like, all ready to push, she went into the hospital and she's like, I have a baby coming out of me, but first and I refused to have a C-section. <laughs> and there were like two doctors on call, but they were leaving. It was a changing of the guard and two doctors coming in and the two doctors that were coming in had never seen a breech birth before, never attended one. They were very nervous about the whole situation of the two doctors leaving. One of them, an older guy, had been to breach birth, many of them actually, uh, earlier in his career. Although not recently, he said, I guess I'm going to stick around and help you out. Very smooth birth, very smooth. I mean, she was just about ready to go, pushing went well. Baby came out, and I was like, wow, that's an incredible story. I'm like, you got some serious pulse. And she said, no, Dr. B, I have a vagina. And I was like... <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> but you have that kind of confidence and energy, like you trust your body. And also maybe it's your training from both East and West, like understanding how the body works on a scientific level, but being in tune with the Ayurvedic energy. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm <laughs> jealous. But you also take care of your body. Like you're really good to your body and what you put into it and how you exercise it and listen to it. I feel like saying her for some reason, how do you listen <laughs> to her? Um, you guys have a great working relationship which I think also goes a long way. And who knows? You never know how birth is going to go. But at this moment, it's like so incredibly, I don't know, inspirational, empowering, amazing to see like that kind of relationship that you have with your body and that trust that you have through the pregnancy and that you have for the birth and that you want to feel things and that you're not, I'm sure there's some anxiousness in there, but that you're not terrified yeah. of the whole thing. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Berlin. I have moments of fear for sure. 
but I am not fearful. And a lot of that honestly comes from the community, you know, from women sharing their stories, from listening to your podcast and educating myself and reading books. And my midwives are amazing at answering questions. And like, I'm so grateful for the people that I have in my circle, super grateful, super grateful for the resources because that gives mama's confidence, you know, and you feel more empowered. The more information you have, it's, you know, win-win. Who's coming to the birth? It's going to be me, the baby. Both of you really are invited? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, my husband, for sure. My husband was going to be my doula. Like, listen, you know, maybe, maybe you can be the doula, but it's, it's, I didn't get an invitation. (laughs) Yeah. What do you see his role as? Oh, you have a doula coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ended up getting a doula. So my husband, doula, midwife, and my mom is supposed to fly here. But, you know, we don't know when the baby's coming. So Hmm. what do you see your husband's role as compared to the doula? Oh, man, my husband is going to definitely encourage me and help me when I hit that wall. I know that there's going to be some wall somewhere that I'm going to (laughs) hit and he's going to encourage me and he will have this sense of calmness. He stays calm under pressure, which is really great and definitely support massage feed me he you know he <laughs> wants to make sure that we have all the snacks that i like here yes. that i want he what? wants to be fed too <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why you gotta do that to feed your husband what are you gonna listen to man i started a birthing playlist with you know this like zen like music i have that but i'm like you know i might just want something more upbeat but mm-hmm. I'm not going to know until I'm in the Take moment. Yeah. yeah, but I did do the whole Zen playlist. I always three. recommend like at least three different playlists, meaning section one is just like things are just gearing up and slowly, hopefully <laughs> easing into them. Just something to keep you calm and, you know, whatever. The section two where it starts to pick up some more. It's just my stupid observations. <laughs> um, section two where it starts to pick up some more. Something that's repetitive you know like kind of meditative in some way so i've been to births where they play like three hours of african drumming and it's just repetition like it helps you turn off your conscious part of your mind and tap into the Mm. older part of your brain where all the instructions are and how to get this thing done the most efficient optimal way and then like the third one is like that more like upbeat when it's like you need to come out of that and be a little more active and find your energy a little beady. That's a uh, food from thought observations from a quasi certified male doula. So there's that. Are you like water or land? Water. Yes. Yeah. I see it. I can yeah. see water. Yeah. Cool. Hopefully Ryson gets in the pool with me. I don't see why not. Did you rent a tub? Like a big one that you can... Yeah, we actually just got it today. The Aquadula. Ah, Aquadula. So you have a backup plan. Like I was saying, this is true of you too, that the birth we just talked about is your goal, your target, your plan A, your first page or your flow chart. But you have plans for backup should you want them or need them. Yeah, definitely. I have a backup OB. And if there's an emergency, you know, take me. I will surrender to the hospital. <laughs> 
I want that to be like an emergency situation if that happens. I know um, what you mean by that. It sounds weird. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I know what you mean by that. You don't want an emergency. But you want it to be that if you had no choice is where you're going to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. I have two more things. Predictions. Do you have a prediction on where in your 40 week count or so your baby will come? Oh man, this is a tough one. At first I thought it was going to come after 40 weeks and now I'm starting to think it's going to come before 40 weeks. So I'm at 38. I think it's going to come before. So in the next two weeks. Yeah. Okay. I think it's going to come before the due date. Is that because you're feeling things physically in your body or you just had a different intuition? Just different intuition. I felt some, you know, Braxton Hicks last week. Cool. What'd that feel like? Like cramping. And it happened three times and then it went away. Went away. Okay. That was that. Sounds like the orchestra was starting to warm up in the pit. Yeah. And that's what made me kind of think, all right, Mm. this, this baby's getting ready. All right. I still think uh, three days after the due date, but you know, your intuition is probably more reliable. Okay. So there's that. Do you have a, how long labor will be prediction? You know, my husband asked me this yesterday. Uh, I think more than 24 hours. And less than? Less than five days. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's like prices, right? $1, $1. We're going to go with $1. Okay. And then size. (laughs) Uh, six pounds and some change for sure. Really? Yeah. How tall is your husband? I think the baby's going to be on the smaller size. Bryce is six three. Okay. I'm I definitely... hope I'm not off by an inch because he's going to be like, I'm six four. <laughs> well, it's fluid. It changes over your lifetime. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm going with a bigger baby for you. 7.4. No. Mm-mm. No. Six pounds. Listen. So I went to go visit my OB. I think it was at 36 weeks. And he was telling me that the baby's small for the baby's gestational age. Okay. And he predicted a further out due date, which is three weeks past the original due date. Oh, wow. Because of the size. Because of the size. Wait, how sure are we are of the conception date? I'm pretty sure. You are? Okay. Yeah, I'm sure of it. You're sure? Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I'm still going 7.4. I don't know. Look, do you know gender? Yes, but we're but you're not it. telling. Yeah, not telling. yeah, yeah. Just so you know, when I guess gender, I'm right about almost fifteen percent of the time. So my guesses are worth absolutely nothing. But I'm going with seven point four. I'm going with three days past your due date. Okay. And I'm going with nineteen hours of labor. Okay. All right. I'll take nineteen. Sweet. Uh- <laughs> I hope I'm in the ballpark on at least one of those. And then my last thing. I've never done this before. Does pregnant Amaris, one thing, send a message for our next episode to new mommy Amaris. What would you want to tell her? Oh, man. A message for mommy. Um, Gift from God. To definitely enjoy the moments of stillness and silence with your baby. Because I'm anticipating it being a lot of waking up <laughs> in the middle of the night and a lot of uh, stillness and embracing that with your baby, Sweet. embracing that with my baby the quiet, and not feeling antsy and not feeling like I need to do something. 
because we fill our lives with so much busy work, right? But you only get to experience this one time, you know, every baby's different. So, you know, I'm only going to get to experience this once with this baby. Oh, I just moved my oldest son to the East Coast, and I moved him into a place there for post-high school. He's flown the coop, and it hasn't even fully processed for me yet at this point. But what I will say is everyone tells you that it goes very quickly. And what I found is it goes lightning fast. But what they didn't tell me that would have been helpful to know is that it goes lightning fast in slow motion. Hmm. And you're constantly, all of us are pulled in 800 directions. We got this to do, that to do, the other thing. You're always making decisions, even if you're not thinking about it consciously, about which things to do and which things to hold off on. And because it's going so slowly, slow motion, you know, I think it's natural instinct to put, okay, I'll get to that later, you know, and then you don't realize that it went lightning fast until it's done. And everyone's going to tell you it goes so fast, but I think hopefully you keep in mind it goes so fast, but even when it doesn't feel fast, it's moving freaking fast. Mm -hmm. So I love your advice to new mommy Amrice (laughs) to embrace those moments and just, you know, honor them, value them and prioritize them. Cool. Yeah. Congratulations to your son, by the way. Thank you. I'm so glad we finally got one out of the house. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure you miss him. I I, I miss him so much. I just talked to him today. Like, "Ah, how's it going? He's like, I've been away for 11 hours, Dad. (laughs) I'm like, okay. All right. Uh, Next time we talk to you, we'll have your baby. We'll have the rest of the story. And I can't say it enough. You're an amazing person to be around. You have such a wealth of different backgrounds and different perspectives on health and life. And that's great to learn from you. So thank you for sharing. Thank you, Dr. Berlin. I appreciate it. And thanks again for having me on here. And thank you for everything that you do. Uh, you're welcome. And at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you want to connect with us, check out our brand new, well, resurgence of our blog, the Informed <laughs> Pregnancy blog. You can find it and our other media at informedpregnancy.com.